Welcome, good evening, everyone. Nice to sit with you again. Any question? He's not here all the time. Yes. Maharaj, you mentioned yesterday how as our bhakti path advances, bhakti becomes a wider road. But at the same time, more specific. And I wonder if you could comment on that. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I was um, comparing the uh, stage of nishta to anishta, to steady practice, consistent practice um, that is not interrupted by um, uh, false values, so to speak, anarthas, that in the prior stage, in anishta, are prominent hmm? and uh, cause our um, path to be um, kind of winding, long and winding road hmm? back home <laughs> to his door. So, uh, um, and and comparatively, interestingly, the the kind of winding road, if you will, is narrow. So um, it, what, what I mean to say by that is that um, in, the, in this stage, it, the, the Kanishta, let's say, tendency, is, as much as that's um, prominent, is one that... Um, Uh, has a more black and white take on um, on the the uh, the practice, the tradition. So much so that it 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 conflates black with white sometimes, and white with black, hmm? and uh, doesn't know the meaning of the rules. That, um, for example, that uh, um, that uh, one 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 follows doesn't realize that rules are made to be broken. <laughs> rules are made to be broken. They're not meant... Love is... As much as there is rules, then love is absent. As much as there's love, then rules are absent. I say that right? Right. Hmm. As much as there are rules, love is absent. As much as there's love, rules are absent. Hmm? If you take the religious spectrum from, say, Braj Bhakti to to Varnashram, hmm? look at the Ramananda Samvad, the conversation between Roy Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this is this is a very this is a very nice. Incidentally, as an aside, this is a very nice and central, important section of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. I think the other night I compared it to the the Gita inside the Mahabharat, which drives the whole thing, right? It makes it, uh, the Mahabharat, more than just a book about virtue and the moral good, hmm? and takes it to the absolute transcendental good, from the small g good to the capital G good. Hmm? In fact, the Gita begins with the moral objections of Arjuna that are dismissed by Krishna, right? Hmm? Takes him to the absolute good. So, um, in, in effect, really, the Ramananda Samvad, this conversation in the eighth chapter of the Madhilila of Chaitanya Charitamrita, these two same characters are there. Mahaprabhu identified Ramananda Roy with Pandava Arjun hmm, through the pen of Krishna Das Kaviraj, right? And his brothers with the other Pandavas, and his father, who was. Is it Bhavananda Roy hmm? with Maharaj Pandu? Hmm? Obviously, at other times, other associates of Mahaprabhu identified Ramananda Roy with other Bhavas present in him and therefore with other spiritual personalities. But through Mahaprabhu's own lotus mouth, we find him identifying Ramananda with Arjuna, and it's, it's relevant to this um, setting, the conversation between Krishna 
and Arjun in Gaur-lila, in Krishna-lila, is reversed, as you might expect, in Gaur-lila, and Krishna becomes the questioner, and Arjuna, in the form of Brahman and Roy, gives the answers. It's almost as if Krishna is testing him, did you understand the Bhagavad Gita? Hmm? And we see Ramananda understood it pretty good, hmm? even though the ideal of Rag Bhakti and Braj Bhakti that's, that really the Gita is pointing to, it does so in a, in, in a very subtle way, not an overt way, so it lends itself to other interpretations as to what its import is, and so on and so forth. But if you go to the proverbial Chatur Sloki of the, of the Gita, then you find... Um, you find rag bhakti there. Hmm? You find aham sarvasya prabhavo mata sarvam prabhartate iti mat bhavajan timam buddha bhavasam vitatesham satata yuktanam padatam piti puvakam dadami buddhi yogam tam enamam upayanti te. And it concludes with what? Tushanti cha ramanti cha. Tushanti cha. Tushanti cha ramanti cha means Tushanti means samanda nuga bhakti. Ramanti cha. Ramanti means Ra, uh, 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 Kamanuga, two forms of rag bhakti. Hmm? That, so I mean, this is how our charges uh, in uh, the uh, original Gaudiya commentators, Vishwanachapati Thakur, Baladibhidibhusan, have what they've drawn from these verses. Hmm? Um, and in my own edition, of course, I emphasize this point, the point being that the way I approached the Gita was what's going on in this conversation? Well, what's the import of it, right? People open the book and say, just whatever the verse speaks to you that day, that's what it's about. It's not that it's any progression. It's just like pick one out here or there. But it, it, you know, it does have a progression. It does have a concerted point that it's making. And if we want to understand that, we might do well to look at the historical, so to speak, maybe mytho-historical, but the mytho-historical setting in which the conversation between Arjuna and Krishna takes place and what's happening in Krishna's life at that time. He's at Kurukshetra, right? So one thought is, has he ever been there before? He calls it Dharmakshetra, Kurukshetra, Dharmakshetra. Has he ever been, and he says... The, the implication in the first verse is, well, Dharmakshetra is a sacred place, Kurukshetra is a sacred place, place of Dharma, and the subject here that we're going to talk about is Dharma. Hmm? Okay, so we're going to talk about Dharma at Kurukshetra, right? So Krishna is now older. Hmm? He was living in the pastoral uh, bucolic brudge, right? He left went to Mathura, to Dwarka, and now this, uh, this uh, it's later now in his life, if you will. So let's look at that setting and time, what's happened prior, and maybe we get some idea what's on his mind. Hmm? And with regard to the setting, well, he's now in Kurukshetra. As I say, has he ever been here before? Does this have any significance with regard to Dharma other than what the sacred text may say about it and how it's thought in general uh, to be sacred and so forth. So there's reason for him to say this is a sacred place. And so, but is there anything more than that? And of course, we go to what I refer to as the theological sequel of the Gita, the Bhagavatam, right, where the life of Krishna, the whole life, here you have just one hour conversation Right, so we go to the Bhagavatam. We find, indeed, Krishna has been to Kurukshetra before. Hmm? He's been there prior to the speaking of the Bhagavad Gita. What happened then? What kind of impression that might have on him when he says, "This is a sacred place to Arjun, and it's a place of Dharma." And, set, and so he's more or less saying, "We're going to talk about Dharma here." Hmm? What might be on his mind? What happened the last time that he went there? Mai bhakti kalpate. Last time he went there, he met the gopis. 
right? He went for the sacrifice, uh, the, the solar, what was it, during the solar eclipse, hmm? and he met the Brajbasis after a long time. Hmm? And ultimately, uh, they, I mean, they came, I was saying this the other day, I was speaking to somebody, there was this royal assembly at Kurukshetra, Krishna and Balaram had, were Vasudeva and Sankarshan riding on elephants, and sages and Brahmins and Kshatriyas and the whole royal assembly is going and setting up a like a, like a world's fair, you know, for a week of sacrifice and and so forth. It's a huge uh, event, hmm? and um, you know, not just anybody's going to get in either, right? So there they are, and it, this is Prince Krishna is here and. Uh, and, and so forth, and the Brahmins and the Rishis offering him in praise and whatnot, and uh, and here come these people in the covered wagons, <laughs> drawn by oxen, you know, <laughs> and they don't want to get in, and the, the guards are like, well, you know, who do you think you are? You know, where are you coming from? Like, what? You know, this is the this is the prince's place, you know. Just tell him it's your soda, you know. <laughs> so, but, Somehow, you know, word gets passed through. These cow people are, these cow people are, you know, we heard you, you know, yeah, when you were a kid, you were in the village. I mean, that was, you know, you were 10, 11 years old. That's like a long time ago, you know. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to bring that past, you know, into the, we're trying to forget about that. You're a prince, you know. Some people wonder, you know, you're like, is he a coward boy? Is he a prince? What, what? You know, let's not judge a person by his past. <laughs> we judge him by, by his present. This is the bhava of the yadus, you know, in Dwarka and so forth. Hmm? Uh, of course, those who are really in the know, hmm, in that circle, like the like the queens, they know oh, this brudge is a problem because his, even 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 in our embrace, his mind is there. Even at night when he sleeps. He calls out Radha, Lalita, Sudana, uh, Nanda, Sudam, Sridam. So what what do you dream about? Hmm? It's usually fairly, it can be relative to what you're preoccupied with in the daytime. So they realize he's with us physically, but he's actually more there, even in his physical absence, than he is here in his physical presence. Hmm? So they're a little... You know, talk about brudge there is, is, is problematic for the other because Krishna might just go on tilt, right? Hmm? Remembering that, uh, that, that, that those devotees. And that, of course, is what the whole Mathura and Dwarka Leelas and the Bhagavatam are about. They're meant to reflect back on the brudge and the people of brudge and what was their condition and the, and the measure of their love and and so forth. I mean, that's what the Bhagavatam is about, the love of the Brajbasis for Krishna. It's not about the queen's love. That's there, okay. But, it, but it, it properly understood, that is also reflecting back on, and by comparison, showing the nature of that love. Like I say, Krishna is more present in Vrindavan in his physical absence than he is present in his physical presence in Dwarka. Hmm? And of course, it's not only we know that because he, 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 the queens have heard him singing out the names of the Brajbasis in, in his sleep, we also know it, theologically speaking, because, because if we study the nature of their love in his absence, hmm, again, the, the love and the object of love, they correspond. So if that love is there, it doesn't go away when he leaves. They don't forget about him, right? Well, he was that was you know a long time ago. We got to get on with our lives. They don't have another life, so they're completely preoccupied with him. So he must wherever wherever the love is, the intensity of the love is that the measure of the love is is the extent to which Krishna is present. Although he's invisible, he's present, and and he is and he appears to them like in hallucination, spurtis from time to time and, and try to tell them I'm really here even though I'm there and so so I mean this is what the what what we, we what the Bhagavatam is, is 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 speaking to us about. So at any rate at Kurukshetra of course then then the, there's this there's this meeting and ultimately um, uh, Krishna says, Well, you know, you could come with me to Dwarka, hmm? 
to the gopis and they said, you know, there's no Jamuna there, there's no Go- Govardhan there, there's no Parakya there. More man Vrindavan. My mind is Vrindavan and I want you to step there and live there and and Krishna then makes a statement. He says, so people approach me for all kinds of things, for eternal life. We were talking about this the other night, like to get away, to get things, for karma, to get away from things, gyan, in, in reverential devotion. But the way you approach me, then I'm, I'm completely purchased. So I may be here. He says, I may be here physically, but my heart is with you. And so they, they depart with this you know, sense that he's impressed upon them. Uh, of his of his uh, abiding, ongoing love for them, he says, "I'm uncomfortable in in Dwarka. I'm uncomfortable in Mathura." Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, there's some comfort they get from that, right? Point being, what he's at Kurukshetra, and this is Yugal Milan, hmm? the meeting of the divine couple again after a long, long time. And it's Bhaktivinoda Thakur said this is a very special place because at this point Radharani's necessity is very very great. Hmm? She's so close to Krishna, but she can't have him because the setting isn't there. Hmm? The setting isn't right. I mean, there's elephants, there's guys around blowing trumpets and stuff like that. And there's no there's no tamal trees at Kurukshetra, you know. Champakalatas, there's no Jamuna, no Govardhan, all these things. That, all of these things are a composite that make for the for the um, the, the, the the love life of, of, of Radha and Krishna. So, Shridharmarsh gave an example. It's like it's in the championship game, and the team gets to the one yard line, and there's one second left, and they don't make it. It's like better you lost in the third quarter or something, you know, and we just let, the, we knew the game was over a long time ago, then to get that close and then to fail. So the point being, Bhaktivinoda's perspective, at that time, Radharani's necessity is extreme. So to render some service to her there will bring great remuneration. So Bhaktivinoda at one point said, I like to take birth to Kurukshetra to minister to Radha's necessity, because the greater the necessity that one has, the greater remuneration you're going to get. I mean, water is one thing. You want some water? Well, okay. But if you're in a desert, thank you. You saved my life, right? So, um, so point being what? At Kurukshetra, Krishna's been there, and he talked about Dharma there with the gopis. Hmm? They said, you know, they said, we are not, hmm, they said, we, we said, oh, you, you who, who uh, uh, have a navel like a lotus, uh, you, we are not wealthy people who can perform big sacrifices like the karmis worship you. We can't do that. We are not intelligent like the Ghanis to approach you, like or, or like we're not uh, uh, austere and uh, and uh, supple like the yogis who, who approach you in, in their perspectives. That they're actually indirectly diminishing or dismissing the karma, gyan, yoga. We have no interest in these things. We are just simple village people. We are in the Sangsar Kupam, the well of material life. And what we want you to live there with us. Mm-hmm. So we said, they say, Samsara is Nirvana, hmm? as far as we're concerned. Yeah. So, it's, of course, you look at it carefully, you see that they're, they're, they're advocating a type of bhakti in, in Braj. This is Prema Dharma. So, at Kurukshetra, Krishna actually talked with the gopis about prema dharma. Now he's there to talk to Arjuna about it. He says, ah, I'm in a holy place. It's Kurukshetra. The subject will be dharma. Uh, okay. And uh, it's a little bit different, but the implication is it's possible that in the context of talking about dharma to Arjuna, hmm, the furthest reaches of dharma, paro dharma, hmm, 
This is a huge theme, of course, in the Bhagavatam. And it's where the Gita ends and where the Bhagavatam picks up. Sarva Dharman Purityajja. Give up Varnashram and all the gods and goddesses, Sarva Dharman, that are worshipped. And Mamekam Sharanam. Worship only me. Hmm? That's how the Gita ends. How does the Bhagavatam begin? Dharma Projita Kaita Votra Same thing. Hmm? This book is not about Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. That's not what it's about. Hmm? I, in fact, this book calls it Kaitava Dharma. Hmm? Cheating Dharma. Hmm? By contrast, what it's about is Parodharma. Hmm? Parodharma. Another idea of Prema Dharma. Hmm? Savaipumsam Parodharma. Yato Bhakti Ayatma. Some prasidati. So these are two ends of the whole religious spectrum from karma, marg, to rag, uh, rag bhakti, two uh, extremes, right? So, so it's it's reasonable to think that it must be Krishna somewhere where here must be talk. It must the, the conversation with Arjuna must at some point reach to or point to the fullest idea of dharma hmm? Hmm? it's got to be on krishna's mind he's got a he's got a samskar for you know kurukshetra and what it, impression what it meant to him and so forth he's got to talk about dharma i got to tone it down and talk to arjun and other people this is the bombard after all uh, which is all about virtue and the small g moral good and so forth but obviously he can't contain himself, and Arjun starts to talk about that. He says, no, no, forget about that. And let's go to the absolute good. In the context of going there, he goes ultimately, of course, from the Atma to, to Bhakti and himself, and we talked about his, how emotional he gets about his devotees and so forth. And and um, and so we find in the Chatur Shloka in the 10th chapter, that, that's right after the 9th chapter, where he's so emotional, he says, Apichad Sudracharo, how he's defending his devotees. He's defending their bad qualities, even. He says, he says yes, my gopis are sudrachar. They're very misbehaved. Hmm? But chipram babati dharma masaschachantim negachati. But if you glorify their misbehavior, hmm, you will become righteous, he tells Arjun. What's the, you know, he doesn't, What's the import? Well, he said, my devotees. What? Which devotees? Well, how can devotees have bad qualities and be, be And This is what Krishna's thinking. Hmm? They think my gopis have bad qualities because they're adulterers and, and so forth. But I say, Arjun, if you glorify their adultery, hmm, you will become righteous. Hmm? And so this is a... This is a so, so, of course, he comes to the end of the Gita and in the end of the Gita, again, we cited it earlier, Krishna says... Sarva Dharman Mamik Sankam Sharanam Braja. So give up the Karma Marg and the worship of many gods, give up also Gyan Prityajik and Mamikam. Worship only me. Come to me. Here the word Braja is a verb it says, right? Come to me. Go to me. But Pujapat Sridamarsh in his commentary he said the the word also of course, in Krishna's mind, hmm, when you say the word braja, hmm, what's going to, the first thing that's going to come to Krishna's mind hmm, is braja in the braja lila, not using it as a verb. That's how it's used grammatically, right, in the in the in the verse. But when Krishna comes out grammatically saying the word, his mind goes to braja. That's the end of the Gita. He can't say any, he can't talk anymore. His mind is gone to Braj and it's over. Hmm? So Arjun, what did he learn? Hmm? That's the question, right? In Ramananda Samvad, the roles are reversed. So Krishna takes the role of the questioner and uh, Ramananda, Arjun, takes the role of the answerer. Hmm? And the text moves from Varnashram 
to Braj Prem and within Braj Prem, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. Within Madhurya, it comes to actually to Babulasrati and the, 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 the handmaidens of Radha, if you study it carefully. So we can say, Arjun got it. He understood the Bhagavad Gita quite, quite well, as he explains uh, to Krishna in, in, in Ramananda Sambhad. So, um, now please remind me, what was the question? We, we, the, yeah, narrow, right, narrow, right. So somehow we... So, so, so on the one end of the spectrum, you have rules for worshiping God. This is the low end of the spectrum, like Varnashram. There's so many rules. A fellow told me the other day, he said, well, um, if you really want to worship God, and you, you find out there are all kinds of kinds of rules, and, and, and there's, a, there's a way to do it. I said, if you really get close to him, there, there are no rules. That's Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? Yeah. If you get close to him, but he's God, then there's all kinds of rules, because you're a human, and he's God, and so, Om, and... Uh, swagatam, swagatam, you got to do this coded language. But if you really get close to him, Mother sort of says, come sit down, eat. <laughs> eat more. <laughs> Look at how skinny you are. <laughs> right? And Mother Mongol says, what about me? <laughs> so the, there are no rules there, comparatively. Right? That, that, that They're one. Hmm? One time, Bhaktivedanta Narayan Marsh said, then Prabhupada had called had named the the deities in in London, uh, London Radha London Ishwar, and he said, "What is this? How can it be London Ishwar? I mean, this is Krishna, Braj, London Ishwar. It's not a Braj name." He was a little, you know, thought that was odd. Hmm? So my reply was, "Yes, that's, that's that the the, the the very essence of Prem, as explained in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, is that." The devotee feels a um, minus, minus. He's mine. We're the same. He's a brajbasi. Hmm? He's a, he's one of us. Hmm? Yeah, he's empowered by Narayan and Gargamuni told us that. But he's really just one of us. This intense. Uh, there's, there's, in other words, the distance in worship. Where there's an object of worship, the worshiper, and then there's the worship that you go across the bridge and give it to him and come back. That's bridged in love. Hmm? So in, in love is, is, is both a, a unity and a difference at the same time. I, you and I become one. You give me your heart and I give you my heart. Something like that, right? So, so, um, <clears throat> So, in in Varnashram, then there are all kinds of rules, right? All types of rules and all types of gods to worship. You got to know which way to, to to turn at different times of the day and the year to pass urine. You know, I mean, it's it's that's very very detailed, hmm? and there's very little love there. The love. In Varnashram, I'll tell you what the love in Varnashram, unto itself, as a, as a, as a, as a the low end of the, of the religious spectrum, the love for God there is just like when we were younger, some of us here in this room, and we went to Brindaban hmm, the first time. Maybe maybe you went in 73 or 74 or 75. and Maybe by the time you went there, some of the shopkeepers had Prabhupada's picture in their in their in their shop hmm? that's Varnashram hmm? oh I love Prabhupada put his picture here and they will come to my shop hmm? that's Varnashram that's how the God is loved in Varnashram they love him hmm? because people will come and see I love him and they will give money to me that's a bargaining affair so <laughs> <laughs> That's Varnashram. There's not much love. Therefore, Mahaprabhu said, just say something more. When Ramananda began with this, say it a little, you know, it's a little, it's a good thing for some people. If that's all, you know, that, that, that what they're adhikar, what they're eligible for. Hmm? So, um, so, 
on the other end of the spectrum, then we have the uh, you know no rules, so to speak. It's not that the it's not that rag bhaktas don't have virtue or good qualities, but the path itself is one in which the moral compass is if it's favorable for bhakti, I'll accept it. If it's unfavorable for bhakti, I won't accept it. We don't need varnashram to be moral. Varnashram is a moral system. It's not that if we don't have it, we'll be immoral. Our moral compass is, if it's favorable for Krishna Bhakti, I accept it. If it's unfavorable, I'll reject it. You live like that, then you'll be a pious, morally stout person in the eyes of even the greatest Varnashrami. Right? And you will be able to break the moral law if it's necessary in some extreme circumstance to please Krishna, right? Like Govinda Das stepped over Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm, when he fell across the doorway, exhausted after Kirtan. You know the story, right? He he would cook lunch for Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu was doing Kirtan for hours and he passed out and he fell across the door. In order for Govinda to cook, he would have to step over Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to go in and cook. Hmm. Right? Wasn't that the idea? Yeah. Hmm. And, um, and that would have been, from a Varnashram kind of perspective, an inappropriate way to conduct oneself. Hmm. But uh, he went in to cook lunch for Mahaprabhu. He stepped. Right. Something like that. Anyway, so when Mahaprabhu woke up and said, How did you get in there? Hmm. Or something like that, right? He said, uh, well, I, I had to st- step over you to do that. When, what did he say? But but for his own lunch, he wouldn't... How about, how did you... And then he said, how did you... Um, get in here. How did, how did you... How did you get out, right? Because one way it was for service. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the other way, it was for his own... Considered his own sense gratification, therefore, he wouldn't... Mm-hmm. Right, right. So there are there are, there are instances in which the relative and the absolute, they go in a parallel line and, and instances where they don't. And then you have to take the absolute and cross over. Mahaprabhu ate from the Mathura Brahmin's house, although he was, wasn't supposed to by the Varnashram system. But when he detected, there's something special about him. What is that? And he asked and he said, Oh, I'm a disciple. My name is so-and-so. I'm a disciple of Madhavendra Puri. Mahaprabhu said, take me to your house. I have to eat lunch at your house. What? Hmm? Look at the, we, we're talking about Ramananda Sampad. Mahaprabhu meets Ramananda, right? Sudra, Kayastra, Sudra Varna. Mahaprabhu is a Brahmin and a sannyasi. And he embraces him and they weep and, and all the people are going, what's going on here? This Brahmin and the sannyasis weep, you know, embracing so Sudra. This is like not appropriate and so forth. So, so point is that rules are made to be broken, but in the anishta stage, hmm, our understanding tends to be black and white, and sometimes we think black is white and white is black. We don't even sometimes know the meaning of the rules, so that we're cautioned that that without knowing the meaning and following them, it's problematic, hmm, right? Yamagra. But and and to know the meaning means to know their limits and what their purpose is and, and so forth. In that sense. They're meant, they're made, made, made to be, to be broken. Hmm? So, so, of course, this is we're talking about the bhakti path. We're not really talking about varnashram. But in the in the in the kanishta stage, in the on, 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 when the practice is is not steady, then it's going to be you know like a, a learning curve, and the perspective on it is more black and white. And sometimes details are misconstrued for principles and. Uh, and so forth. The spirit of it may not be that well um, understood. We may think, okay, everything's been answered now. I just have to, you know, follow these ten steps, and everything will work. And uh, but when we progress, and the road straightens out, hmm, and now it's straight. It's also, as I said, it's broad. Hmm? So suddenly rules now become realizations and you and you understand their 
their, their what's behind them, what 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 are and what are details and what are principles, and you can adjust accordingly and you can throw throw out the detail because it's not doesn't apply to the circumstance and it won't deliver the principle. And do you understand that verses have different applications, different meanings? There's more than one correct answer. Hmm? In the previous stage, there's, there's only one correct answer, and there's only something like that. Hmm? And that's wrong. <laughs> but it may serve your purpose for, 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 for a while. So in, the, in this, this stage of Nishta, what's happening is the heart of our faith, which is tender, komal, shraddha, is now being strengthened by the head. So, to give an example, if you take steel and you want to make it stronger, what do you do? You put it in the fire. And you put it in the fire till it gets just to the point where it's about to melt and pull it out. Hmm? And then it gets colder and it gets stronger. That's what the blacksmith does. Then he puts it in the fire again. Just before it starts, gets the melting, it, he pulls it out. Hmm? So, in this, this stage, Nishta... What's happening is that the head and the heart are being harmonized. In the beginning, you know, there's some logic to our practice, and and and, and we we've we've understood it, and we're, we're we're following. But if we look back, we think I used to think like that <laughs> about what was Krishna consciousness and how it worked and so forth. And hopefully, I've 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 learned. Hmm, that was interesting. It worked at that time, but but there's more to it than that. Hmm. Um, and and so um, now um, you're harmonizing the heart with the head. Hmm? In other words, you're you you you're starting to be able to engage in, in shastra yukti, in reasoning about the implications of the shastra, in time and circumstance and nuanced meanings and so on and so forth and you, and you can not, you can you can you can derive what what is the siddhanta you can land on your feet so to speak you can reason about what the sacred texts are saying and what is the you understand the context in the book in the chapter what is the context of the book in relation to other books and and so on and so forth so this this is an interesting stage. It's kind of like moving from the, the kanishta to the madhyam stage. The, the head and the heart have to be harmonized. Hmm? Or otherwise, in the kanishta stage, we just accept the teaching and we think, well, that's it. We've got it. It's the absolute truth. We, everybody, I don't... We just tell it that everybody will understand it, right? Immediately they should accept it. Why not? And there's no other. Uh, we're like we have answers that are good for the choir. Hmm? You understand? And the Buddhists, nonsense. Yeah, the Buddhists are nonsense. Yeah. But you know, sit down with the Buddhists and they say that's actually not what we even teach. You got a straw man's argument there, buddy, or whatever they might say. And then you got to deal. And then you realize, in this stage, you realize. Oh, the philosophy has holes in it. Uh-oh. There are gaps in the philosophy from a logical point of view. But because you have arrived at this through exercising your heart and head, and then you used your head to soften your heart, so as you got more insight, you pushed it into bhajan and practice and practice. Hmm? So then when you come to the point you start realizing the philosophy has got holes in it. You realize, well, it's supposed to, of course. Because there's no way that you can capture what is Krishna consciousness in words and thought. It's beyond that. Now, if you go beyond that and have an epiphany and come back and try to talk about it, well, it's going to be pretty powerful, but it's still not going to fully capture that hmm? so god is beyond thought hmm? from where the mind going returns from where speech going it returns 
the Upanishads say, the Shruti say, you can't go there by these vehicles hmm? Hmm? alone. Hmm? That doesn't mean we should be silent. If we if we have an epiphany, we come back, we speak about it. Our Goswamis have spoken about it. Our Acharyas have spoken about it. And they've given a pretty pretty good philosophy. Hmm? We realize we like it. Why do we? Why does it really work for us? And we think, well, there may be holes, but anyway, I think it's perfect. Hmm? Because not for the reasoning of it. Hmm? Hmm? Because it transcends uh, reason. But because we have bhakti samskars, which make us psychologically predisposed towards it, so it just works perfectly for us. So the conversion, really, of people is to give impressions of bhakti and then support it with some philosophy. Hmm? Like, um, I'll tell you a story that kind of illustrates the point. Dr. Kapoor once told me that um, his story of how he joined Krishna consciousness, right? And uh, he said some sannyasi disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur had met him and and he was an Advaitin, young man, and he was an Advaitin. And, um, and, and, and a, uh, I believe a student at the time. And, and so they tried to convince him of Gaudiya Vedanta as opposed to Advaita Vedanta. But he was well schooled in it and, and they, couldn't, they couldn't convince him. So they said, well, we may not be able to convince you, but our Guru Dev can. And he said, okay, well then, uh, you know, I'd like to meet him. So they, they said, they went back you know, to Bhakti said, we met this nice boy student, you know, and he's... He's in a dwait and we couldn't quite convince him. I'm going to arrange a darshan, you know, for you. So, so Bhakti Siddhanta entertained the idea. So they brought Dr. Kapoor to meet their guru. Hmm? Dr. Kapoor said, so I came in the room and there he was, him alone. They closed the door. It was just me and Bhakti Siddhanta. And I was ready with all my dwait and arguments, right? And I was respectful, of course. And then Saraswati Thakur just spoke for 45 minutes without stopping about the Brajalila. With such feeling, got up and walked out. That's all. He didn't ask me any questions. He didn't give me a chance to say anything. Didn't entertain any of my arguments. And I was just, he said, I just, I thought, well, there's something to this. Well, yeah, so, I, so I wanted to hang around. So Saraswati Thakur was going on tour, so he, he took Dr. Kapoor along with him for six months on a tour. And every night he was lecturing. Every night he was lecturing. And every night he asked, are there any questions? And every night Dr. Kapoor raised his hand. And every night, Bhakti Siddhanta ignored him <laughs> for six months. Never addressed any of his arguments. And then he was sent somewhere to do some service for the mission. And in that area, the local king was entertaining one of the four Shankara charges. You know, they have four moths, right? Four monasteries. So one of them was in town, rode in on an elephant. You know, there's a big deal when one of the Shankara charges come. So he was holding a darshan and, and giving discourse on Advaita Vedanta. So Dr. Kapoor thought, I think I'll go there tonight and see, you know. what?" And so he went there and then the Advaitin, the Shankaracharya was speaking and then he asked for questions and without thinking about it, Dr. Kapoor started asking questions that challenged, you know, Advaita Vedanta. <laughs> And and they went back and forth. He said, and they went back and forth. Based on what he'd heard from Shri Yeah, he didn't realize this was all inside of him, oh. right? And that was just kind of coming out now, you know. And and and, and he thought, hey, I, we got, hey, this guy's wrong. This guy's wrong, you know. And then he said, at a certain point in the discussion, there's two levels on which the Advaitins discuss. There's the Paramarthic and the Pratyaharic. So the empiric world of our present experience, which is an illusion, and then there's the ultimate paramarthic reality. So, in short, uh, Dr. Kapoor said, at a certain point in the discussion, the back and forth, he changed the ground. They were arguing on the basis of the paramarthic, and then he gave an answer based on the um, um, pratyaharic, and it's complicated. So, Dr. Kapoor had him, you know, he realized, he said, ah, he could have said, Ah, but you changed the ground, and that when he would have been defeated, but it was getting like a little tense, and so Dr. Kapoor said, and I realized I had him, and I looked, and then the king's men 
put their hands on their swords. <laughs> this is the king's esteemed guest, and this young man is going to, you know, challenge him. And so, so he just backed off. But he said, he realized I was I was totally converted. <laughs> and, right. So this is how Bhakti Siddhanta converted him by by impressing upon some scars for Bhakti without even entertaining his uh, his, his 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 questions his his uh, uh, um, logic and so forth for for Advaita Vedanta. So so by Bhakti's by impressions from Bhakti Bhakti some scars we, from this life and previous lives we we become predisposed and all that, and so the philosophy just works perfectly for us. But there are holes in it in that, and, and we realize in the earliest stage, we think, oh, it's perfect. It's, nobody could defeat us. And we realize it, it's supposed to have holes hmm? because if it didn't, then language, thought, logic could contain entirely the absolute. And our teaching is that it, that it doesn't. So now all of a sudden, you, you don't have less faith in the scriptures, but you have more and deeper faith. I'll give you another example. Prabhupada taught us that, and this is this is a beginning teaching. He taught us what that the scriptures are like law books. So you may go into the court and you may say, "Your Honor, I believe and I feel and I sincerely, with all my heart, think that my client is not guilty," and arrest my case. And then the other lawyer goes, "Well, according to the law." On page such and such, in 19 such and such, it was determined this. And on this date, the law said this. And on this date, the law determined that. And therefore, Your Honor, I think that he's guilty. And the judge goes, guilty, next. Right? So the you have to quote the book, The Standard of Knowledge, right? So, you know, you hear that and you go, yeah, we've got the Bhagavatam. It's got, that's the law book. And for that, for that matter, It'll be the law book for the next 10,000 years and Prabhupada's edition and all the answers are, are right there. And we just sort of turn to page 108 and, you know, you'll get it. You know, it's right there in the book. Hmm? But if you play that analogy out, you go a little further. What do you realize? Hmm? As you become a little more advanced, you realize the analogy is also saying to us that the law, the scripture, the book is being written going forward all the time, like the law books. Hmm? According to this circumstance, every circumstance is new. How will revelation respond to that? Well, we may need a new book for that, a new Upanishad, a new Chaitanya Bhagavat hmm? from Srimad Bhagavatam. So scripture is no longer this more, you know, books on a shelf that got all the answers, but it's more of a dynamic um expression of of revelation that has uh, uh, layers of meaning and newer and newer meaning can be drawn from it at different times and different circumstances and so forth and suddenly your 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 practice is fixed hmm? you're confident of your practice but this is the this is a beautiful thing about the stage of nishta, right? Mahaprabhu's talking about nishta, trinada pisa nichina, torora pisa ishtana, amanina mananina, kirtaniya sadahari. This is nishta. It's, it's, it's a stage in which, um, um, how would you say it? Um, one's humble, but he's very confident. Hmm? He's confident. Hmm? Confident. Hmm? He's humbled by the by the, the by the vastness of the implications of the scripture, and he's she's reading and finding out new meanings and 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 it's just like I said, Prabhupada was bombarding us with a 400-page book every 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 month. So one's in that position. It's not like I got it all figured out. I know all the verses. I got. I'm 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 done here. You realize. I can never be done. Wow. Hmm? And so you're like in this, like you're 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 confident, but you're also childlike at the same time, because hmm? you 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 realize well, this can be explained this way, it can be explained that way. Both are right, and then you can look at it from this vantage point, from that vantage point, and 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 so it becomes a place that you can actually live in. It's so big, 
And you can actually live inside the text. Hmm? And then and then you start meeting the people in there, right? And understanding them, who they're, why they said this, and what's the importance of he said it, with, with this person said it rather than that person. And, and, and so now your path is straight. It's going straight to the goal. There's no distraction, but it's, it's not narrow. It's broad. You've actually, you've actually become from you. You were narrow-minded. Now you become broad-minded. You were had a black and white perspective, and now you realize there's a hundred and two hundred and fifty-six, whatever it is, uh, shades of gray. Hmm? It's like, hmm, and 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 it's good. Hmm? It's uh, it's 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 and and love is a is is a confidence that's you know kind of full of doubts that you never said you love me you don't want to say it hmm? <laughs> so so uh, uh, these these contra- contradictions start to be uh, accommodated resolved hmm? rather than you have to throw this out and only keep this and so forth and so so. This this nishta stage again, where the road is straight, but it's wide, broad. Rules become realizations, and you know the implications of them when you can, when they need to be uh, overridden or, or rewritten for the time. What are the details? What are the principles? Because you're living in this, you're living in the principle, so you know what the detail is, and you can adjust it, and so so you can actually teach hmm, effectively in different time and circumstance. And of course, this then is, the road is straight to Ruchi, right? Hmm? It's 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 um, to taste, because the practice is consistent. And the practice is so consistent that although there are seeds of desires and some scars still there, they don't have the opportunity to fructify. Hmm? They don't have the opportunity to fructify. And then you come into, of course, Ruchi, and Nadanam, Najanam, Nasun, you don't have the desires anymore. Nadanam Najanam Nasundurim Kabitamba Jagadisha Kamai. And who is the Jagadisha Kama? Kamai, who's the who's the god Jagadish of the world who governs over Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha, which includes all the desires for the world, having it, and getting away from it. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. Everything's contained in that. Hmm? What you would want from the world and Moksha getting away from the world. And Mahaprabhu says, the God, Paramatma, who presides over that world, goodbye. Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kabitamba Jagadish Mama Janmani Janmanishvare. Now another God is in, in my heart, the Pranishwar. Hmm? Hmm. Not, the, not the Jagadishwar. Now it means it, it, the, the object of my love whom I have a taste for is 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 appearing in my heart. Hmm? And I have no longer anything to do with the world. I'm so then from there as Asakti and Bob and, and so forth. So in effect um, this stage initially is like real experiential spiritual life in an ongoing, you know, ongoing day after day after day after day. And you realize every day is a day for making advancement in spiritual life. You don't go a day without making advancement. You don't go a day without making spiritual advancement. If you don't feel like that, you haven't attained nishta. What you should do, attach yourself to somebody who has or more. right? Attach yourself to somebody, get good association so that your progress will become steady. So, of course, you know, there's a lot of you know, we say there's the kanishta, there's the madhyam, there's the uttam. So then, but then there's the kanishta, kanishta, the madhyam kanishta, and the uttam kanishta. And then there's the kanishta madhyam, the madhyam madhyam, and the uttam madhyam. And there's the kanishta uttam, the madhyam uttam, and the uttam 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 uttam. So a lot of shades of, but you know, the basic. The basic distinction, really, between the Kanishta and the Madhya stage is this exercise of spiritual discrimination that makes the tender heart of the Kanishta, the Komal, the tender heart of faith, strong. 
So again, faith is Shastriya Shraddha, faith in, this, in, in that, in revelation, in a descending way of knowing. Lack of faith in my own faculties and instruments to, uh, for arriving at, at perfect knowledge. If I want perfect knowledge, I have to have a perfect method. Hmm? And this is the perfect method. Hmm? That I can get beyond my limited resources. Hmm? I can't rely on them alone. Now, once I get some grace from that side, then I employ my resources, my intelligence and so forth, and in 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 the service of that faith and strengthen it. But the difference, the basic difference between Kanishta and Madhyam is this discrimination. Therefore the, the while the Kanishta is described as tender in faith and not very well uh, schooled, if you will, or understanding the scriptural uh, argument, hmm? the revelation, not that acquainted with it, the, the, the middle stage, Madhyam stage, is, is one in which is characterized by discrimination. So, discriminates between who to associate with and who not, hmm? uh, knows how to associate with different types of devotees, uh, Cultivates Ishvare Tadadine Shu Balishatu Nisatu Cha Prema Maitri Kipopeksha Yakaruti Samadhimaha. So, so as much as this discrimination and using your head to, to, as they say, to soften your heart and grow, hearing from sadhus and, you know, read the book. To change, hmm? not just to memorize some stuff. You're looking for something that's going to tell you that that you got to do that or you got to accept that point. Hmm? I was always, well, I don't hear that many classes these days, but when I used to be in a different situation where I go to class every day, I always thought if I could just get one point from the whole class that I could just take in and make it part of me then it would be a success, even if it was boring otherwise, something like that. Yeah. We just look for just even one point. So the, the reading, uh, it's not really a reading as much as it is looking for how to change, how I can change. Hmm. So that kind of disposition, this is uh, moving us in the Madhyam direction. This is straighten the road out for us and make it wider. So, so Anyway, some thoughts on that. <laughs> Thank you for your question. Yes. Um, I haven't done a, an analysis of how many chapters are Braj Leela versus Matura Leela versus Dwarka Leela, but I have a hunch that there is many more. I, I believe the 10th canto is about 90 chapters approximately. Yeah. yeah. Some like 90, aren't, some. Aren't, aren't 89 or 90. 90. Yeah. Aren't the majority. And I was wondering, if, if so, why so, if Rajali was the most important? Yeah. Well, um, that's like saying, if Krishna really were the source of all avatars and not an incarnation of Narayan, why is... There are only one line in one verse that says Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. It's such a small statement. We're going to take that one little statement out of 18,000 slokas in the, Bhag- in the Bhagavatam and out of all other scriptures and we're going to, and, and we're going to make everything go around that. And Jiva Goswami says, yep, small, <laughs> good things come in small packages. Hmm? The sutras of Vyasa are very terse and very short. Hmm? but they're packed with so much meaning, something like that. That's one way to answer your question. Otherwise, I think there are like 35, 36, 40. When does Uddhava come? Of course, he's sent back, but uh, uh, at any rate, there's a good number of verses. But, um, right, yeah, after the killing of Earth, I don't remember the number of chapters, but it's a good number of chapters. But, but um, you have to look at, it's not a question of quantity, it's a question of quality. Hmm? Hmm. And the quality of the love of the inhabitants of Braj exceeds that of what we've, you know, I mean, we're talking about unlimited, but 
it's said that Krishna is perfect in Dwarka. Okay? Rupa Goswami says in Ujjvalimani, he's more perfect, however, in Mathura. And in Vrindavan, he's most perfect. And what's, what is making him either perfect, more perfect, or most perfect is the bhav, the, the prem that corresponds with him. And um, and the, the, the inhabitants of Braj, uh, um, our Goswamis have shown that the measure of their love ex- is, exceeds. And here's a good ex- uh, that of Mathura and Dwarka. And there's a good example to give you that you, I'm sure you will are familiar with. But um, the in in let's say let's take Arjun, Pandava Arjun. Okay. He's a Puri Sambandi, so Sambandi. So he 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 is a friend of Krishna, in the metropolitan Leela, not in the rural Leela of Braj, right? And so, when in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna shows himself to be God, in the eleventh chapter, what happens to Arjuna's Sakyabhav? It recedes in the face of the majesty that's displayed. Hmm? And, he, and he starts apologizing for sitting on the same bed, uh, calling you bad names. Is basically what he says, hmm? um, and uh, in jest and so forth. And you're a god, and I shouldn't have done that. Hmm? He doesn't like it. Hmm? So Krishna then appears as four-handed, then two-handed again, and then his sakyabhav comes to the fore. Hmm? But in the Brajlila. That's a pretty big display of majesty, Aishvarya, right? Krishna shows everything's inside of him. Like, wow. Hmm? But in Braj, you will find greater displays of majesty than any than Krishna displays anywhere else. Hmm? What's the best example of that? In the Brahma Vimohan Leela. The Brahma Vimohan Leela is the narrative, Leela narrative section of the Bhagavatam, where this the, the, the one line of the verse in the third can third chapter of the first can of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is played out in a narrative. Hmm? Because Brahma comes and what ultimately does he see? Krishna shows that universes and Narayans emanate from him. Hmm? I mean Brahma doesn't even know there are other universes. But, and so he sees he 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 he's born from Narayan and he sees that innumerable Narayans from whom universes emanate are emanating from Krishna. There couldn't be a better, a, a bigger display of majesty in Aishvarya. Hmm? And it's right there happening in Vrindavan. Hmm? Outside of Vrindavan, you, you can't find a, a, a Leela where Krishna shows greater majesty than that. Hmm? Right? And, um, but how when Krishna shows such majesty in the Braj, how does it affect the people? Hmm? Hmm? How does it affect the devotees? It doesn't cause them to shrink back and his coward friends to, you know, oh, he's God. Right? Hmm? I gave an example of they're lifting the Govardhan Hill. That's a pretty big, majestic display too and they're holding their own sticks up. right? So the point is that their bhava does not recede. Their prem is, is, is so powerful. Hmm? And the point is that its power corresponds with Krishna. So Krishna is 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 the god appearing under the influence of that prem. You take the Rasalila, as it's described, the Vasant Rasalila in Gita Govinda, what happens when 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 Krishna disappears from the gopis and he disappears from Radha, then he meets the gopis, that they catch up with him. And he hides himself. How? By manifesting four arms, right? And what do they say? They say, "Oh, Narayan, can you tell us? Did you see Krishna? Which way did he go?" But then, when 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 Radharani catches up with him, hmm, he can't show the forms. He can't do. It, you see, so his form is controlled by her prem. It, it it corresponds with it. This is a beta chinti beta beta. The love and the object of love are one. Hmm? So Swayam Bhagavan, 
hmm, corresponds with this kind of prem. So you have to look at it, see, theologically, you see, well, the prem is greater in Braj. Hmm? So that's what the book's really about. And the other later leelas are kind of looking back on that by way of Krishna's doing this, Krishna's doing that, and but what's going on in Braj? They're not just getting on with their lives, right? Hmm? They never give up. And of course, we think, I read the Bhagavatam, and, you know, Krishna went to Dwarka, and, you know, then he, then, then all the Dwarkaya Yadus fought, and they were gone, and that's the end, right? And he never went back to Braj, you just forget about the Braj people. But that's not, that's not how the Goswamis read the Bhagavatam. They knew, they knew Krishna's got to come back. There's no, he has to come back. So they shown hmm, in a couple of verses. This is the implication. Hmm, here says this. Ah, so and sometimes he goes away to uh, near Mathura. So they, and this is what happened. He went back to Mathura. There he killed Dumtavakra, one of the last demons, then in, in, in the Mathura vicinity. So they went across the Jamuna, came back, collected up all the Brajbasis, and Swayam Bhagavan leave the world with them. And the Dwarka manifestation of Krishna continued and delivered the residents, the Yadus, and so on and so forth. And then they support it from some other Puranic references and so forth. But it's the it's the logic of it. You see, they 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 couldn't they couldn't they, they couldn't accept that Krishna didn't come back to Braj. So they 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 found it in the Bhagavatam. They, they, if you, as Prabhupada said, used to say, it, I think it's a quote from Napoleon: "Necessity is the mother of invention." So if you have a strong necessity, you can make the scripture talk in so many ways, right? To to meet your your your, your spiritual necessity, you can support it. That's the whole of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. They had a necessity to 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 uh, locate. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the map of the scripture, they had a necessity to do that. So they found, and this verse is talking about it. We say, yeah, you know, the Ramanujas go, I think that's not saying that, you know, I'm not sure about that. Not to say, I don't think so, you know. But they did it, they, they, they did the exercise sufficiently, sufficient enough to make a sampradaya. Hmm? Okay, we got our arguments and so forth. So, Brajlila Gujai. Okay. Shri Sri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Vancha Kopatarubhyas Chakripa Sindhubhyeva Chapatitanam Pabhani Bhavishnam Vibhanam Monama, Anantakoti Vaishnam Vrinda Ki Jai.